0: Hello, this is 1946 symbol, Eleanor Roosevelt. Today on this fine program, that we're going to be talking about one of my favorite movies and films, the 1989 film called Batman. It's going to be a fine program. The Radcast begins
1: in five, four, three, two, extreme close up.
0: What this reminds me of it's just oh, yeah, here, right in, just in front of the computer. <laughs> we have um, a karaoke machine, yeah, right exactly. in front of us. Whoa! Oh, why is this not picking up? Ah, okay, there it is. Okay, so there's that. So, yeah, I mean, we're oh, just, you were testing the mic. I was just testing, them. yeah, <laughs> i wasn't having I an episode in a crisis. No, <laughs> nah! uh, no, but we are recording. Uh, here on the 4th of July. Happy Happy 4th. Happy Christmas. Happy Happy Christmas America. It's Christmas Christmas in America ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. So welcome to the Radcast everybody. It is the 4th of July. Let freedom ring. Exactly. Let it ring. Ring for a thousand years. (laughs) Anyway uh, thank you for joining us here on the Radcast. I'm Steven. I'm Matt. And uh, welcome. to today's episode we uh, have Jeff Wright back with us. Yeah. We traveled to Decatur uh, a when this is coming out, probably a week or two ago. Yeah, that's why we didn't have an episode this past Monday. Yeah, if you listen to the 1999 episode, we let you all know that we weren't going to have an episode this past month. So the first mm-hmm. of, of uh, the 7th, which is July, which doesn't matter now because yeah. now you're listening to a new episode. So thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed 1999. That one yes. was pretty fun. Hope yeah. you enjoyed all of our past episodes. 98. Yeah, in 98, <laughs> and that was our last episode yeah, before 99. Yeah. We didn't have any before that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> thank you for joining us here today. Again, we sat down with Jeff, and we talked about um, a, a film that we all grew up loving, and we still kind of we have affection for, but it celebrated its 30th anniversary not too long ago, uh, the 1989 Batman, the 1989 cultural phenomenon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's the way that the Marvel movies have been for not only comic book culture but for culture Mm -hmm. in general for like superheroes that kind of started with the 1989 batman and then kind of had a lull in the 90s and then in the 2000s especially in the late 2000s with the mcu really garnered a whole lot of you know it's a a movie a lot of people have affection for us included just given you know growing up with it but there are things like many things that we grew up with That aren't as rosy as we'd like to remember. Right. So that's what we're going to be doing with Jeff. We're going to be doing a radcast rental, and we're going to be kind of taking the rose-colored glasses off. We're going to talk about uh, the good. We'll talk about the good good. with the movie because there's a lot of good, but we're also not going to shy away from the negative. The good, the bad, and is it rad? Exactly. So before we get into that, since it is the Fourth of July, uh, Right before we go to the I have my left hand over my right chest. Exactly. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, But before we go into a quick break uh in a second here matt i'd like to go back and forth and name what are what are some of your favorite moments in american yes. history okay probably mission to mars mission to mars was number one i, I agree um probably Mm. wait the, the actual the actual mission to mars or the val kilmer movie mission to mars yes okay uh batman forever batman forever yeah on the subject of Val yeah. Kilmer. Prince of Egypt. Okay. Enough of the Val Kilmer Willow. movies. Okay. Willow. But after that, no more Val Kilmer movies. Okay. Um, meet Joe Black. Meatballs, the movie. Meatballs. Meat- meatballs. <laughs> uh, what are some, are some of your well, favorites? Let's, let's see. We'll see. In history, uh, Rocky beats Drago. Yes. So that had... And d- single-handedly ended the Cold War. Exactly. Um, I have to say uh, when... Mark McGuire tested positive for steroids. Of course. That's yeah. how we knew that America it were working. is not blameless and is not faultless. Exactly. That, that 1998 yes. out of the almost you know 200 plus years yes. of it being around. You got caught, little boy. Uh, let's see. Uh, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Yeah, the WWF pay-per-view. Yeah, that and Al Capone. Oh, that Um, too. Yeah. Let's see. I guess it was based off of something real. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hulk Hogan dropping the leg on Andre the Giant. Yes, Hulk Hogan dropping the leg on communism. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Eating hoagies. Yeah. Hulk Hogan is his uh, local affiliate. Yeah. Uh, for a hoagie shop exactly and venice beach not to be confused with pasta mania which was a restaurant mall of america that he helped open up when he went to world championship wrestling yeah uh, it's not last very long but Lex express flying flying down the highways of america speaking of flying uh evil knievel flying over that canyon that he beefed in um chris like, canyon famous wcw wrestler um we're playing a word association game, no, right? No, it's not. No, we're oh. not playing. What's your a few? – let's rattle off a few more. Chernobyl. Um, Orville Redenbacher. Orville Redenbacher. Uh, the West Kennel Dog Show. The West Kennel Dog Show. Um, Jesus. When Jesus. When Jesus came back. Yeah, when Jesus came back. Um, Mel Brooks movies. That's it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's everything. <laughs> happy, happy 4th uh, of July. Let's do the social media. Uh, so social media – so you can find us on Instagram at the Radcast, and you can mm-hmm. find us on Facebook on the we Radcast. Are, we are going to get a Twitter. So for those of you who are wondering where the Twitter is, we're going to get it. It's just a lot. It's it's a, the social medias are a lot to keep track of, especially considering I'm not that active on social media anyway. Mm-hmm. So so here we it's, go. It, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's coming, baby. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so you can find us on any podcast outlet, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. wherever you get your podcast fixed, like we put in our Instagram posts. Uh, while you're on iTunes, give us those five-star reviews. Again, this is just general housekeeping. We we don't like building ourselves up, and we don't like saying, well, give us five stars just because it's it's an algorithm It's thing. for the purpose of exposure. Exactly. You get, five, you get enough five-star reviews and comments and all that stuff It something funky with the algorithm to where yeah. it gives you more visibility yeah. to people yeah but I mean, we don't want to put words in your mouth and we don't want to really tell you what to do but you know give us some reviews on itunes like subscribe follow wherever you get your podcasts and whatever whatever it asks you to do yep. uh, so yeah just find the radcast give us a follow comment subscribe whatever you need to do we would love your support we already thank everybody who supported Mm -hmm. us no matter what country you listen to in. okay now we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to be sitting down with jeff wright to talk about the 1989 batman on the radcast rental so we'll be right back on the radcast
1: ever dance with the devil in the
0: pale moonlight we now return
1: I always ask that of all my prey.
0: To the Radcast. I just like the sound of it. (laughs) Make it a blockbuster night.
1: And now, our feature presentation. This is a nice new TV as well. Thank you. Thank you. I only get the best for myself and the best means it was on sale. What do you do with this TV? Um so I I got this TV to use as an additional monitor for my graphic design stuff. Ah. I have the big TV so it's easier to see stuff, easier to uh you know, fix things and make sure everything is like connected and streamlined and smooth, so but instead You play
0: Red Dead Redemption 2 on it. That is also true. Yes. Yes, I do. Well, this great TV is located in Jeff Wright's office, Indicator, because this week, like we said at the beginning, we are Indicator for the Radcast. Welcome back Back from break, everyone. It's the Radcast, and it's Jeff. This is, Jeff is our first uh, returning guest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and, because, and the reason being because, so we started the whole Radcast Rental uh, episode theme just kind of as a fun way to address our movie reviews. Mm-hmm. And uh, one particular movie that turns 30 this year mm. is a movie that had a huge cultural impact when it came out, and it kind of did a lot to bring this character back to its roots. Yeah. And we're talking about, 1989 Batman. Mm-hmm. The 1989 Batman, um, you said it had a cultural impact. Yeah. It really did. Mm-hmm. Like It was massively popular. And I can really, the two things I can equate the impact of the 1989 Batman um, is when you know the MCU started becoming huge, I think the cultural impact that that had bringing those comic book characters off of the pages and into yeah. um, the the lexicon and into the mind of the general population. That's mm-hmm. kind of like what 89 Batman did yeah. in 1989 with just how massively popular it was and how massively marketed it was. But also that we didn't, you know, I guess American culture didn't really see anything on this scale of like popularity with like the marketing and with the toys mm-hmm. and with just everything having this name plastered on it. They hadn't seen anything like this since star Wars. Really yeah. and if you really think about it, like nothing was this massively popular um in pop culture since Star Wars. Yeah. And it draws you drew comparison to the MCU. It makes sense because a lot of people who don't read comic books get into a lot of the Marvel superheroes because of the MCU movies or yeah. it's their first exposure. Mm-hmm. And we have Jeff here because not only was this your first exposure to Batman mm-hmm. but we're also taking a different approach than a lot of people do with this movie because it's usually highly praised, which it should be in mm-hmm. a lot of respects. But I think a lot of people wear rose-colored glasses because of that cultural impact, because they grew up with because it. Because
1: it was their first big superhero movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly,
0: yeah. exactly. This movie and this por- these portrayals are are the guidelines a lot of people have for these characters. Well, we're going to take a different approach and we're not necessarily going to keep those rose cut, Rose, excuse me, rose colored glasses on Mm -hmm. though. We do have good things to say. We are going to dig at a lot of the things that were off with this movie that we thought were not good. Excuse me. Ooh, were not baby. good. Uh, oh, we're, uh, sorry. Uh, we're not good contributions to the Batman lore mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. kind of the liberties that Tim Burton took. So basically, we're just gonna go into some bad things as too. And I don't. I feel like people aren't as willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. that's why we have Jeff here because oh boy, he's he has a lot that he he had he takes umbrage with with this movie. I do. I do. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm, raring to go. There we go, baby. So before we get into goods, bads, you know, our our general thoughts on the movie, um, there, this there's an interesting journey to get it to where it was in 1989, which is ultimately a dark, gritty, Mm -hmm. um, pretty tonally pretty true to the roots of Batman, um, and it's coming. The reason it took so long or it goes through such an interesting journey, was because to that point, the only media portrayal of Batman was the 1960s the television movie. show yeah. Adam uh, with Adam West, Burt Ward. Um, C- Cesar, Cesar Romero. Cesar Romero painting over Burgess his mustache. Meredith. Uh, Burgess Penguin. Yeah. Uh, and that's all. that's the only image that the masses had of Batman. Mm-hmm. And so when you're trying to make a darker, heavier, grittier version, It that's going to be a, a huge task, especially mm-hmm. with how popular the 60s television show was. Mm-hmm. And so when people say, Batman, you mean the Adam West show? You you, you know you've got a, a, a task in front of mm-hmm. you. And basically by the 70s, the popularity of Batman as a whole was waning, as, at least the TV show. Like mm-hmm. CBS wanted to do a like Batman in outer space movie. but, but That, that would have been amazing. So, but that ultimately got know. canned, which that would have been funny because right now I'm looking at Jeff's microphone for proper gentleman, and hanging from that is yep. Adam West in swim trunks, or is Batman Adam West Batman in swim trunks. And uh, I'm just imagining now an Adam West Batman with a space suit on. And uh, it, uh, it 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 makes me very
1: happy. Um, but it makes me very happy. I always, I've had uh, Stephen actually gifted me that uh, for Christmas several years ago, and ever since I got it, I've always put it in precarious scenarios and setups. Mm. Uh, I used to have it at my office in St. Louis when I was at work there. Uh, I would wrap them up in tape and dangle them upside down uh now he's hanging from the microphone uh looking as if he could fall off at any moment just and hilarious can you just imagine batman in a spacesuit
0: just looking on <laughs> i can yeah. uh but with the popularity waning um this was really the right time for, there were a couple of producers named Ben uh, Melnicker and Michael Uslan, who they purchased the film rights to Batman in 79. And they were actually the ones who started the idea of taking him back to his darker roots. Mm-hmm. But because we were talking about cultural impact, because the sixties TV show had such a big cultural impact. Anytime they took it to studios, they're like, we want to camp, you know, we want something that's like what's mm-hmm. on TV. And so, they're sending it to different studios and they're getting denied by 83. Uh, Tom Mankiewicz to a script focusing on like Dick Grayson's origins. Um, and that would be the script that a lot of different filmmakers for a few years would use as a guide. Like Ivan Reitman was mm-hmm. wow. potentially someone who was signed on to do Batman. And he's the one that thought that Bill Murray w- could oh, okay. play Bruce Wayne. That makes which makes sense. sense yeah. You know, if he's doing stuff with. With him uh, oh, on Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters and Stripes and stuff uh-huh. like that. And uh-huh. was that. Because I've heard different stories. I've heard that that was supposed to be more comedic, but I also heard that he kind of was looking to go in a more serious direction and still thought Bill Murray would do an alright job. So. I
1: don't know. It, I've, I always heard it was supposed to be more comedic, but maybe there was like going to be a dark comedy yeah, or something. That, I don't and, know. And
0: that makes sense because. Um, even Tom Mankiewicz's uh, script, though, in the darker tone that Uslan uh, sort of wanted to go in, because Michael Uslan, the producer, wrote a, a treatment that mm-hmm. was darker. Yeah. And so Mankiewicz took that, and even his was still a little more campy. So that could have been the appeal for Ivan Reitman uh, mm-hmm. to kind of get Bill Murray. And so there, you know, by the time you know 85, 86 rolls around, due to the... Popularity of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Tim Burton is mm-hmm. signed on, and um, it must have been a kind of a campy script. Even though they were trying to go in a darker direction, because Tim Burton hired his girlfriend at the time to do like a re- like a thirty page rewrite because Mankiewicz's script was too campy, mm-hmm. um, and then eventually he approached Sam Hamm to do a screenplay. And Sam Hamm, I feel like his went through several rewrites, but I feel like if they would have gone like true. Straight to it, first draft, nothing. It probably would have been pretty comic accurate because Sam Hamm was a comic book fan. Mm-hmm. So you're getting through the 80s, and by 88, they're actually starting to uh, film what would become this 89 Batman. And then the writers strike in 88, so it went through rewrites with like Warren Scarin and like a couple of other people. And basically, what you get is what we have, you know, with the 89 Batman, mm-hmm. which is actually not that good of a script. No, but yeah. I think no. a lot of the strong performances kind of pull it through and are what memorable for pe- are what's memorable for people. Mm-hmm. So what you have is treatments like Sam Hamm said he didn't like it. the The final product. Tim Burton thought the final product was boring. Like so, I agree. So yeah, so there's just a lot of differing feelings on it. But there's no denying that once it's out and it's and it's really out, we talked about the <sighs> cultural impact was huge with tie-ins toys all that stuff like right now we we're we've got some stuff playing in the background which is why i kind of addressed jeff's tv and we're just what it's it's just getting some screen grabs and it's going through toy commercials and stuff and like we're looking at the uh, batman the animated series right now the the impact the that this movie had allowed yeah.
1: them to make Batman the animated series and which they, in turn spun off yeah. the DC animated universe exactly it's, yeah that the, there's no denying that this film has its place in history and that its impact um can't be taken for granted but again all of that being said it still has its faults. Yeah, and i i still have my qualms with it. Absolutely. Which i think you don't really get unless you rewatch it as an adult.
0: Yeah, exactly. But before we go into that, we are going to tackle what is good about this yes. movie. Um so we'll we'll do that. You know, we just coming off the heels of talking about how positively it was received at least from fans. Critics were kind of split on it. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Because critics are kind of design, they've designed themselves to look through some, you know, you know, some, uh-huh. you know, to to separate emotion from things, and so they were kind of, critics were kind of split on this movie, mm-hmm. but it was really the fans that took it, who grew up with it and really built it up on this pedestal. So we are gonna do, we're gonna go through what's good about this movie because there is a lot that is good about Mm -hmm. this movie yeah like you know with you know the gothic setting of gotham it it really took it back to that dark tone and Mm -hmm. it really set a great tone so steven for you you know by your assessment what are some good things about 89 batman yeah so you uh you started talking about just the gothic setting and everything i visually this movie is fantastic yeah it's visually stunning i mean it's like you said it has it has a gothic overtone with it like it's just the whole movie it's dark it's dingy it's gritty looking Mm -hmm. um really creating a different gotham than what so many people are used to a gotham that's kind of closer to what it's supposed to look like i mean tim burton described um anton first who created all the sets and the way it looks um tim burton said he wanted to make it look like hell was rising up through the pavement Mm. oh yeah and like and it does and it looks like it looks like the sunlight doesn't even come up in gotham yeah that's true uh, even in the day shots it's like overcast and cloudy yeah Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then, so Anton first, again, took like a gothic approach with everything. So the cathedrals are like massive and grandiose yeah. looking. And then the buildings are very like, like odd kind of architectural like amalgamations uh-huh. and stuff like that. And, uh, and, it's in the matte paintings, there's matte paintings used in a lot of the overhead shots yeah. and some of the background. Like the matte paintings look incredible. Yeah. The the dark and moody tone is hit perfectly. Um, the movie is shot beautifully. Yeah. like they're, The lighting is fantastic and really making Batman look like a shadowy figure. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of negative space on his face to where yeah. what is lit, all you really see is just shadow of Batman and then there's the shots where it's all kind of darkened, but it, the light, it's lit, like Michael Keaton's mm. eyes are lit up yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just visually, visually, that it knocks it out of the ballpark. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. that... that- this Gotham is my definitive Gotham mm-hmm. when I think of Gotham City. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I even going off that, you know, like the impact of that, like you can tell that the design of this Gotham City influenced the animated series. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that kind of like timeless look. Uh I guess it's not necessarily timeless, but it's it's a classic look for Gotham. Yeah. Like it looks like it's from the sixties or yeah. the fifties. But for some reason, it doesn't look out of place right. in the 80s when it was uh, released or whatnot. Um, it, it looks like a city lost in time Yeah, almost. And I think another thing is just that this introduced people to um, a deadly Joker. Mm-hmm. I think that that was a really positive thing. Um, I have minor things... With Jack Nicholson's performance uh, overall, but I do love and will always love the fact that he went from Caesar Romero's Joker uh, for the general audience to his. Yeah, it was a Joker who actually killed, who actually was menacing, who was chaotic and crazy um, at times, and yeah, I, I, that's that's one of the strong points for it. I think Michael Keaton overall did a good job mm-hmm. as Bruce Wayne. He was able to convey that broodingness of Bruce Wayne. Um, some of the shots where like Steven said, it just shows his eyes. I think like that's the best way they could have tried to do the white eyes of Batman is just like showing all black and just his eyes coming through. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, as much as people clamor for white eyes on a costume in a movie, it just yeah. very rarely works. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the overall strongest point for this entire film is its visuals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's
0: visuals are amazing. Um, overall, a lot of the performances are great. Um, in terms of actual characters, there's some to be, you know, there's things left to be desired for Mm -hmm. like Batman and not for Joker because, you know, you know, Jack Nicholson eats most of the screen time or or he chooses scenery. I should say. Um, but the overall, the performances of those characters were good. Um, Michael Keaton, for me, his Bruce Wayne. There's some things I can nitpick here and there, like how he should have gone. But I get the direction of a of a very um, aloof. You know, he he's a billionaire playboy, but he's very aloof. Mm-hmm. Um, he he is mysterious, which is I get what they're going for. But I feel like Batman, in and of itself, is mysterious. Mm-hmm. So. And we're not talking about the bad right now. Right. I'll, I'll get more into that, but the performance overall was great. Michael Keaton definitely, um, definitely exceeded a lot of people's expectations. Oh, no, absolutely! Just with him being a comedic actor, and when he and Tim Burton both signed on, you're like the guy from the guy who directed P- Pee-, Pee Wee. Like, oh, the guy Beetlejuice is Batman. Mister mm-hmm. Mom is Batman, and I think he exceeded those expectations. Billy D. Williams is great as Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. Um, the visuals. Uh, I, Danny Elfman's score. The score. The score yeah. is now. We say you know the visuals are the second strongest thing. The score is the best thing about the movie. Yeah, yeah. The best thing about the movie is Danny Elfman's score because it, like, it's the first thing you hear when you know the screen. You get the Warner Brothers logo. The screen goes dark, and the opening theme comes thundering in, and mm-hmm. it's so recognizable now because. It's used. It was used for the animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the only score that I know of that has like broken free of the actual movie and has been applied to all things. And now that 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 opening theme is the most recognizable association with Batman when you think like themes and stuff like that. And every song throughout the movie just contributes to that gothic feel and mm-hmm. really sets the tone for how Danny Elfman would approach scores just in the future. Yeah, and it just, it really, it sets the mood of every scene it's in. Um, It's very operatic and it's yeah. very marching and it's mm-hmm. very, you know, like very much and like as a minor key the whole time. And, yeah. and it's just, it's very epic. It's a very epic yeah. sounding score. And it just, it's so many tracks on there. Yeah, Just, capture the emotion of the scene and convey the emotion of a scene like perfectly yeah and on the subject of music for the movie so Danny Elfman did the actual score Mm -hmm. but Prince yeah was hired to do actual like original music Mm -hmm. and he didn't just do two or three original songs he did an entire album of original music for this movie yeah he could have easily just said okay here are these songs from my previous albums but no he did like an album, like an original music, like 10 yeah. original songs for the album, and some of his best songs are on that yeah. album. Yeah, and I what brought that up was the fact that I'm looking at Stevens wearing a uh, a shirt with Prince on it, mm-hmm. half Joker, half, from uh, the Bat half Dance Batman from the Batdance music video, and so very very fitting. Yes, I did it on purpose. Oh, good boy. Yeah. It it does fit you very well. I know. Very it's been washed well. a couple times, mm. so it fits mm-hmm. me better. Mm-hmm. Uh so those are definitely some positives of this movie and I think anyone would agree that the visuals were stunning. It it, it another positive is it, it it brought Batman back to his roots of being a dark, brooding character. Mm-hmm. It really separated it from that campy tag that a lot of people had for it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and not only does this movie a lot to credit with that, but The Killing Joke, the mm-hmm. graphic novel that came out, um, Dark Knight Returns, those really... Those were the popularity of those generated interest in studios to make a more brooding version Mm -hmm. of Batman. So, had those two graphic novels come not come out, we wouldn't have generated enough interest. We wouldn't have it wouldn't have proved that Batman can can be dark, can be serious, Mm -hmm. can get back to what originally Bill Finger had in mind for him. And yes, I say Bill Finger, not Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Bill Finger. Finger. Not Bob Kane, Mm -hmm. but Bill Finger. And if you go listen to last week's episode of 1998, Bob Kane, sorry ass died in 98, and Stephen and I had a lot to say about it. We buried him all over again.
1: Oh, yeah, baby. I want... Bill Finger to give the finger to Bob Kane. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, they're I both know. dead. So. I'll rain I, in wherever they are. I'll yeah. throw
0: him in the Lazarus pit. Throw him in the Lazarus pit. <laughs> That's a uh,
1: Ra's al reference. Ra's al Um
0: But... What was I talking about? I Thanks a lot, Steven. What did I do? You didn't do anything. Um, but had those graphic novels not been so popular, mm. who knows how long it would have been before we would have gotten this sort of treatment Thanks with Thanks, Alan Patton. Moore. Thank mm-hmm. you, Alan Moore, even though you're a pretentious jerk. It's true. Um, but uh, And plus Tim Burton. Here's, so Tim Burton, I don't like Tim Burton. This is actually one of the only Tim Burton movies that I like, and it's not even because of Tim Burton. But he didn't read comics growing up. No. I and mean, you want to know what his reason is? He did, he couldn't figure out how to read the panels. <laughs> like, that's it. Instead of, like, figuring it out, he just stopped. And he's like, I liked The Killing Joke because I could figure out, because I knew how to read it. I, I like,
1: finally Fuck. learned
0: how to read. Yeah. And plus, he liked that Batman-Joker, like, freak versus freak dynamic, mm-hmm. um, even though he leaned more into the Joker. And then in Batman Returns, he leaned more into like the Penguin and the, mm-hmm. and Catwoman and stuff and, like that. And it shows because like we well, mentioned earlier, Jack Nicholson's performance, a lot of the depth, and you know it, it can we can expound upon it kind of in the bad, however we yeah. want to frame it. But the depth was given to the Joker, but I think that that added to Jack Nicholson's performance, which was very kind of I just thought it was very like visceral. Yeah, it's very it visceral, and it's very it like you know he he definitely. Tim Burton, like everybody else, what he knew of the Joker was from Caesar Romero's portrayal yeah. in the '66 Batman. Caesar Romero. Exactly. exactly. Hey, Batman! Um, but uh, anyway, uh, but uh, you see, uh, you see the <sighs> Cesar Romero in Jack Nicholson's performance, especially with like the Smilex commercial yeah. that he interrupts the news yeah. broadcast with. Um, but you you see him flip the switch into more of like the Dark Knight Returns. <clears throat> Territory and the the darker like the Killing Joke territory. Yeah. Another thing that was great was the suit.
1: The, I was gonna the, say yeah. the, 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 suit the look of the looks suit. Looks amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: the actual mobility of it. You can Sucks. tell. You can tell its restrictions just by the way Batman moves, mm-hmm. even when he's fighting the way he moves. Which you actually made us aware of a cool way that I had no idea that they remedied that. Yeah. And, and kind of before I kick it over to you, the suit to me. Still is one of the best looking Batman suits. I was
1: gonna say like there's a couple shots that have shown on my TV where it's Batman with his cape out and he's like gliding down, like yeah. gonna kick somebody, and just the look of the whole suit, like the abs on it, the just the muscles being formed to uh, Michael Keaton or whoever was in the suit yeah. for those stunts, um, looks perfect. It <coughs> it completely blows away the fabric suit. Yeah. that Adam West had um, blows away pretty much any superhero costume that had come before it. Yeah, oh, yeah, and it was
0: it was the first time we really got like a black on black suit mm-hmm. too. It, it was the template for so many people for so. It's I mean yeah. still now it's the template for so many people on what they want Batman to look I like. I mean yeah. my my
1: Funko Pop of Batman behind me mm-hmm. is the Michael Keaton suit. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's still my favorite look, and we're I'm talking you know. Bat, the first Batman, first Burton Batman, not Batman Returns, where he kind of like squared off the pecs yeah. on it tried to make the, it look the, more the, the, like, like the arm abs in yeah. yes. the pe- but And uh, Michael Keaton, I actually read yesterday too, so you know how everyone now has this idea to lower the register of their voice yeah. uh, to sort of counterbalance Batman and Bruce Wayne and sort of disguise mm-hmm. it? that actually the inspiration for that was Michael Keaton because mm-hmm. he's such like a logic freak mm-hmm. you know he's like there's got to be some way that i can i can separate batman and bruce wayne in terms of sound of their voice cuz like logically me thinking if i if i hear if i hear someone that sounds like bruce wayne then or sounds too much like bruce wayne and be like oh bruce wayne is batman so he actually came with the idea oh. of like lowering the register mm-hmm. of his voice so we can either, for good or bad, we can thank Michael Keaton for, for that, for Christian Bale. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, you had mentioned, you know, with the suit, it was like 50 pounds. Yeah. All of it put together. So it's 50 pounds weighing down on whoever had to wear it. There's, but Beautious, there's... is pain. Yeah, exactly. There were three people who mainly would wear the suit. Someone to do the, the fighting, someone to do stunts. And then there was someone to do the walking. In it, so if somebody had to walk or make like a turn somewhere, yeah. um, it was a belly dancer was in the suit because of so, the core strain. Yeah, so there was a belly dancer in the suit, and there's one particular scene to where they're in the they're in access chemicals. So this is the scene where uh, Jack Napier, who would become the Joker, Jack yeah. Nicholson's character, is about to fall into the vat of chemicals. It turns him into the Joker, and there's this really cool shot to where he's walking up the steps and then there's just this billowing smoke and then all you see is just Batman come from the smoke just following him up the yeah. steps. And if I could add on to the how the movie's shot, how shot so well, it's really cool how they shoot Batman just coming out of nowhere. And how yeah. like someone could see Batman like same scene. Jack Napier's like, nice outfit. First yeah. time he sees Batman he turns around to get his gun, turns back, and Batman's gone. Yeah. And then just Batman, like, appears in really cool ways when he needs to be. But in, anyway, um, when he's he follows Jack Napier up the steps and he, like, he contorts his body in a way to where he, like, flips his cape around him and he starts following up yeah. the steps. It's a, it's a kind of – it's, like, not even a major thing. But what's cool is that's a belly dancer because the suit was so heavy. A belly dancer would have to make those walks and everything like that to make it look natural because they have that core strength and that core flexibility and having to carry around a suit that heavy. I just thought that was really cool. It is cool that they paid that much attention to detail just with when he's walking normally, you know, just Mm -hmm. to make it look natural. Like Mm -hmm. that, that, that sort of attention to detail, excuse me, I really appreciate, which Mm -hmm. I thought was a really cool, yeah, a really cool piece of trivia. Yeah. Something I didn't know and I know everything. Yeah. So it's when thinking of the good, because I know we could go a while on the bad, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, the mar like we said earlier, the, the marketing, marketing was, was cool.
1: really, really cool. Just but how that's they- not the film, right, right,
0: right. right. <laughs> I'm just saying how they just blasted the Batman logo and put it on everything, and how much that's influence true. it had on so many on so many things that studios wanted to do now with certain properties and see what they yeah. could do. I think Dick Tracy yeah. was in the <laughs> people who put out Dick Tracy, which was a comic strip. Like they're like, okay, well we can do Dick, Dick. Uh, Dick Basie
1: now. Yeah. We can do Dick Tracy now. Exactly. Well, Dick Tracy, The Shadow, or both Shadow, two yeah. movies that I feel like if 89 Batman had not come out and received that success, we mm. absolutely would not have seen this. Oh, that. yeah, especially
0: mm-hmm. during that time. Mm-hmm. Especially during
1: that time. Yeah. Um,
0: animated series was influenced by Batman Returns, yeah. but yeah, Batman the, the animated series yeah. came out of it. Um, I think before we kind of, if no one else has anything good to say about it, uh, I think there are some really great Batman and Alfred moments in this movie. Alfred, I I like, there are some, I like Michael go as, as Alfred. Yeah. Alfred at that time was more just like that Butler who's, mm -hmm. who was Bruce's caretaker and who's basically just a Butler. Um, there are some fun, you know, I guess, quote unquote, comedic background moments that happen at, at the, at the party at the beginning of the movie. Um, but other than that there's a few there's a couple moments with Alfred that I'm like Alfred are you kidding me? Like yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. Um uh, oh I I did I did put something down um, so throughout the first half an hour of the movie it's you know have you guys heard you know have we heard about the 6 foot batman or what about 6 yeah. foot batman it's it, in almost every scene there's an underlying you know whispering yeah of you know the batman yeah where's the batman and commissioner gordon and like billy d williams who plays harvey dent and like everybody is kind of poo-pooing the idea there's like there's no six-foot batman in yeah. gotham but in the Axis chemical plant um there's a series of events that causes commissioner gordon and the police gotham police force to end up there to apprehend jack napier and he looks up uh, like Batman has just like thrown somebody over the side of like yeah. uh, a walkway or whatever. And um Commissioner Gordon looks up and he's like, Oh my God. And I cool. thought it was cool yeah. how they kind of they built that up. Um yeah. you know, the audience knew about Batman, but they built that up in the movie and the story yeah. of like everybody's a non believer. But then he kind of Commissioner Gordon kinda captures that reaction of yeah. like a non believer seeing something so like seemingly just out of the realm of possibility, up to that point, and his reactions. Oh my God! Yeah, like, like, I was there like, it is. I think anybody would be like, "That's that's that's a, that that that's the Batman. Yeah. Like, that's a six foot bat." That's they all, should, folks. They just yeah, they should have had him Porky Pig it like for yeah. five minutes, <laughs> <have> <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the movie's just you know sped up. Mm-hmm. So very good positive things and I think a lot of people would agree Um, and now we're going to have some detractors I think we're going to alienate a lot of people because now now's the time for the (laughs) negative now's the time that the gloves come off the rose colored glasses come off it's time to dig into the things that we feel are wrong with this movie so I'm going to kick it over to Jeff to start Mm. us
1: off here we go Wow, so this is appropriate because the video playing on the TV right now is CinemaSins, Everything Wrong with Batman 1989. Um, but, uh, man, so many things to start off on. Um, main thing that I've noticed on the last several rewatches I've done of this movie that I never picked up on as a kid, but it's huge, is that no one in this entire movie knows who the hell Bruce Wayne is. Yeah, that's so yeah. weird. That, it,
0: like, he's he's billionaires even if you are come from a third if you came from a third world country and you're a billionaire somebody would know who you
1: are. Right. So like literally like several times throughout this movie you know, Vicki Vale doesn't know who he is. Knox, the, the other reporter, doesn't know who Bruce Wayne is. It, it seems like Bruce Wayne could have walked throughout this city and no one would have known who he was at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and as far as I know, unless, you know, something in the comics changed after this movie, it's always been my impression that Bruce Wayne's story and notoriety in Gotham City was known by everyone yeah. everyone knew Bruce Wayne was the son of Thomas and Martha Wayne of Wayne industries. They were killed in an alley and Bruce inherited their fortune. Um, and he's a billionaire playboy. Yeah. Like everyone knows who Bruce Wayne is. So throughout this movie, Vicki Vale is trying to figure out who Bruce Wayne is and is trying to figure out why he's so mysterious. And you know, She it's funny, we were watching this last night and there's the scene where Vicky and Bruce are in the kitchen eating dinner and Vicky says something like, so what about your family? It's like, that's something you would have known yeah. Yeah. as any kind of photographer, reporter of any kind. You would have known Bruce Wayne's parents were killed. So like that to me is one of the biggest sins of this movie is that they treated Bruce. I feel like Tim Burton Treated Bruce Wayne as this mysterious aloof who was just dropped into the city mm-hmm. and because he never read the comics, yeah, right, he, exactly. he didn't know the impact of mm-hmm. the Waynes in Gotham City. So, you know, processing through that, it makes sense that that's something that's wrong in this movie, but that has really gotten at me over the years, sure, mm-hmm.
0: absolutely. And it's weird because it's not really something I really noticed until re watching it recently. I was like. Yeah, why are there so many questions around Brute? Like, I get it, just with how everyone is, like, the Batman is mysterious and no one knows who he is. Okay, so this is like a year one Batman. Mm-hmm. Like, you can you can justify this is a year one Batman, but still, like. In the same way that they're trying to figure out who Batman is and covering a lot of who Batman is, there should be more dedicated to if Bruce Wayne has been gone a long time, because in the comics he has to go and train mm-hmm. and like do all this stuff. So naturally, he's going to be gone from Gotham City for a long time. But even if he's just returned to Gotham City, they they, they should address something like that. That should be as big of a story as Batman. Exactly is mm-hmm. the fact that like, okay, Bruce Wayne just came back. And now there's this guy showing up and then maybe they struggle with that. Maybe that's where the mystery comes in instead of Vicky Vale being led into the damn Batcave. Thanks, Alfred. She, yeah, exactly. And And she's trying to figure it out, like riding in the Batmobile and stuff like that. So, yeah, no, I agree. And I'm floored. Like I'm floored that everyone is like, Bruce... Wayne, like yeah. this Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Wayne guy. The only
1: person who knows who Bruce Wayne is, funnily enough, is the Joker. Yeah, in the Let's Get Nuts scene. Yeah, he's like Bruce Bruce Ooh, Wayne? Wayne. Like Nespa? he's the only yeah. person who understands who he is. Bruce. Wayne Nespa,
0: you know. Yeah, it's just it's it's so funny to me because also Bruce Wayne is a character. Um, I get like I I like how brooding Michael Keaton was. I like. How he was very more of like a loner, yeah, and he he was very quiet and reserved, but also you could see kind of the wheels were turning in, in his head, yeah. As and 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 he's in detective mode, yeah, pretty much all the time. Um, but it but, shouldn't have been but, all the time. But the thing is, yeah. um, in social situations like at the big gala where we first see Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne. He should be life of the party. He should have yeah. personality. He he should be arrogant. He should mm-hmm. be because Bruce Wayne is portrayed. Bruce Wayne himself is portrayed almost like you know, the like, anti like flipping. Batman. You know yeah. he he's very much you know he he's selfish. He's arrogant. Kind of a prick, yeah. um, like to people. And that's how he should be portrayed. But then as he goes off into himself, into the Batcave by himself, he should, you know, flip that switch because um, in all honesty, there are so many people, especially in the last, you know, decade, who've pointed out Bruce Wayne is really the secret, ide- or is really, like, the disguise, and yeah. Batman is, like, Bruce Wayne the Playboy is the yeah. disguise because Batman is who Bruce Wayne is. So I like I like Michael Keaton's portrayal as Batman, but it shouldn't have been 100% carried out as Batman when he was Bruce Wayne. Yeah. He should have been, you know, like, hey, oh, well, welcome to the party. Have fun. You know, but Vicky hey, Vale. Hey, I hey. knew two people were missing. Yeah, like, exactly. Michael Keaton can pull off, like, that manic, like, animated. Hey, there you are. I knew yeah. two people were missing. Like, uh, Vicky Vale. Yeah, I know you work. I know you work. Yeah. It's like, Knox. I know so many people. It's tough to keep track. Yeah. You know, just that like, kind of stuff. And then, you know, he should have those times where it's just him and Vicky, where his defenses come down. Yeah. And you see why he's had so many women suitors and stuff like that and it's just he should have so many levels to him you should have the douchey Bruce Wayne in social situations that we see the brooding Bruce Wayne when he's in detective mode and then Batman Mysterious and aloof yeah exactly so but I think he put like Tim Burton and whoever you know whoever script Sam Ham's script he went with didn't portray that super well
1: I just wish Tim Burton would have made Bruce Wayne more like Pee Wee Herman oh yeah yeah, exactly. exactly
0: It's, oh, oh, welcome to my party. Huh? Ah, ah! Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, what are you doing over there? Watch the <laughs> class. Make yourselves at home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: it's from Japan. Or, it, it, it's Japanese. Or, well, how do you know? Because I bought it in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's. I mean. I, I mean, Pee Wee Herman didn't say it, but Bruce, well, that is a line from the movie. Yeah, like Knox and Vicky Vale, like yeah. go into like his quote-unquote armor trophy room or whatever, and they're like, "I oh, wonder where they wonder where he got this piece." And the whole time he's been kind of sneaking up behind him, and he's like, "Boo!" No, he's <laughs> he's like, uh, "Boo!" I'm Batman. Just kidding. Hey? He's like, "It's Japanese." He's like, "How do you know?" He's like, "Cause I bought oh, it in Japan." Japan. Like, yeah. I mean, that's cool because so he's cool. You know, he's, he's well a world traveled. he's a world yeah. traveler. Yeah. And there are, and there are detective moments, which I think a oh, lot yeah. of movies don't necessarily get right. <laughs> Um, but that being said, the character of Batman compared to the Joker is really underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. Like we don't, like aside from his parents being killed, we don't really have any insight as to why he's and that, Batman. And that
1: being said, even the Joker is underdeveloped mm-hmm. as a character. He's more developed than Batman, but still, uh, I've I've never liked... The portrayal of in a movie, it's different than the comics. In the comics, you can get away with the Joker's just crazy and insane. There's no rhyme or reason. He's an agent of chaos. In this movie, Jack Nicholson, to me, doesn't portray that like agent of chaos type thing that like Heath Ledger would do years later. Mm -hmm. So with this Joker, we needed more motivation for why he was going about the things he was doing, because you can tell that this Joker is more calculating and sinister but at the same time he has these moments of zaniness. Yeah. So like for me it never really hits a consistent stride of what this Joker is doing and like what his actual motivations are. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you can kind of tell how he
0: does like he, cuz he poisons a lot of the chemical like he poisons chemicals and he poisons like the makeup and poisons yeah. he poisons a lot of like he poisons a lot of things in Gotham um through like his smiley stuff and stuff yeah. like that and you figure okay that's because he wants to like almost like some of the hijinks that the cartoon joker you know yeah. just putting a smile and every, yeah. you know making sure he everybody to be poisoned yeah. and have it's this like, rictus grin on, on their face yeah but so you know he has these things that he's doing and the ways that he is evil and sinister but yeah that question keeps coming up like why is it Made explicitly clear, oh, he wants to like take over Gotham. Cause I mean, he says, he says that, you know, this town needs an enema, you yeah. know, so, so he wants to kind of like flush this town clean, but like clean of what? Like, uh-huh. like, to, like he doesn't necessarily, and he talks about how he wants to like, you know, you know, it's it's all these kind of discreet ways to where you can guess, oh, well, he wants to take over Gotham, but nothing's mm-hmm. made explicitly clear through exposition or anything yeah. like that. It's and, and I guess you can explain it away by just saying, oh, well, he's crazy. Like, he's just crazy. It's what you expect from the Joker. Mm-hmm. And there are some scenes where, like, when he's sitting at the long table after he kills Carl Grissom and he's got all the mob bosses sitting there, and he's basically talking to the effect of, you know, I... I have Grissom's control now. He's gone, you know, and and so it's like, oh, so he's controlling the crime syndicate. Maybe in that Gotham. is the extent yeah. of it. You know, like maybe maybe it's explained in there, and we're supposed to put the pieces together of like, okay, he wants to be like the number one crime yeah. lord in Gotham. I feel like you get this little exposition. <clears throat> Excuse me, you get it's like okay, you have this exposition. We're just going to rely on Jack Nicholson's performance, and you're going to completely not ask questions you're just gonna get caught up in his performance Mm -hmm. and i think i think that's kind of the problem is that the performance was so good and it chewed up so much scenery not only did it overshadow batman but it it made you forget or not even think about why joker was doing the things he was doing Mm -hmm. on a surface level the portrayal was like fantastic because he was like sinister but also like zany and off the yeah. wall and like that's that's what contributed to how popular the joker became and why you know jack nicholson was so many people's consummate joker for so many years yeah. and also the let's get nuts scene just showed up on the tv Ugh. and last night we were like like i always the the serves no it. purpose you're like so why did bruce wayne like casually come into the room and tell this story and say let's get nuts and get himself shot like
1: it do, It. does. What purpose does that serve? Like, also, it doesn't make sense that the Joker shoots him once, doesn't check if he's actually dead, yeah. leaves without Vicky Vale, there's no sense that the cops are on their way to apprehend him or mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. Like, why does he leave? Why does he not take Vicky Vale? Why does he not kidnap her, mm-hmm. yeah. causing Bruce Wayne and Batman to then pursue him? Mm-hmm. Like, that would have been a better setup for the final act, I think. Yeah. But,
0: yeah. yeah. And plus, like, last night we kind of were joking. We're like, well, what if he shot you in the face? He like, said, yeah, what if he shot me in the face? It's like, with that kind of stuff, it's like, how can you guarantee that he's going to shoot you in the chest? But that that's really ticky-tacky,
1: really right. nitpicky. Oh, well, this is not because the parade scene's on the TV oh, right yeah. now. Um, let's get into the fact that everyone gives Ben Affleck's Batman crap for allegedly killing people. Mm-hmm even though storyline wise, it kind of makes sense that he's a jaded veteran Batman mm-hmm. who's yeah. lost his moral compass. This is a year one Batman who uses machine guns to literally, he has the most least effective scope on his bat wing. Mm-hmm. He yeah. aims it at the Joker and takes shots with his, uh, machine guns, misses them completely, but the intent is there to kill him. Yeah. Um, and then blows up access chemicals mm-hmm. with, you know, workers there who, who who knows if they know what they're doing, mm-hmm. like they don't know that they're necessarily killing people, um, kills, kills everyone in that factory because 13 people have died mm-hmm. from the Joker's poison thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, valid reason to kill all those innocent people. Uh, and well, then, at
0: that point it was just Joker's henchmen okay. access chemical. He
1: still killed him though. Still right. killed him. Yeah. Still, killed, still him. killed him. Yes. Um, fair point, but still killed him. Uh, you know, later in the tower tosses a dude down the length of the tower, mm-hmm. kills him. You know, this is not a Batman that doesn't have blood on his hands too, but no one gives him crap for that. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone detract from uh, Keaton's Batman and says, Well he kills. Mm-hmm. You know, no one no one gives him that flack. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and you mentioned the bell tower when he throws, he sends the guy plummeting to his death. Um, that, guy, that guy was a super powerful henchman that comes and basically just wallops Batman, just kicks mm-hmm. his ass. And at that point, A, that always bugged me as a kid. So I was like, I don't want to see Batman get beat up. But then as I got older, I was like, Batman should, like, Granted, he takes the punishment, but at the same time, like, not enough blocks are thrown. Like, he's not putting up enough of a fight. Yeah, he's, like, bouncing back up and stuff, but I feel like he shouldn't be getting his ass kicked this much. Mm-hmm. Like, Jeff made a great point yesterday. There should have been some sort of battle because he's he's walking up the steps. You have a grappling hook. You have, Why don't you use some sort of gadget to propel your way up the bell tower. He's walking up the steps. There should have been a
1: gauntlet or something yeah, of henchman mm-hmm. for him to take Exactly.
0: Down. If you're going to make him do that, have him fight people all the way up the steps. That way when he gets to that final powerful henchman, it makes sense that he's just getting destroyed. Yeah. And then out of... Just, okay whatever still have him throw him down the bell tower but it's a desperation move
1: it's not like his only resort have him have him sidestep the guy right like or something have it be an accident if you want that shot of the guy going down the bell tower don't literally have batman grapple him with his feet and toss him down the tower killing him right and then exactly. also
0: make it a character weave jeff you mentioned that it's it's a nameless, faceless thug. It's just uh-huh. a big, brooding thug. It would make sense if that were a Lawrence. Yeah, if Lawrence from the the um, the art gallery Holding scene. Holding the boombox. But just yeah. if not him, just somebody who is Joker's muscle. You know,
1: if someone Bob, who we've seen the yeah, entire exactly. movie. Yeah, if exactly. Bob, if
0: that were Bob the goon, if Bob the goon were that big guy and he's Joker's muscle, we see Bob the goon throughout the whole movie. But if he were like somebody that were was established even as a side character but established throughout the the whole movie and then Batman has to fight him mm-hmm. like that would make more sense as to why you know also he's getting his ass kicked you know you yeah. get
1: shots of that muscle guy just destroying people throughout the movie yeah. and you build them up like oh crap mm-hmm. yeah. I can't wait to see Batman take him on yeah. like
0: he like in in the <clears throat> like in the scene where he's sitting at the table with the are jo- or uh, where all the mob bosses are sitting with the Joker, like a few of them stand up like in, in like detraction to the Joker, and he like grabs them and sits them down, yeah. or like he they try and get to him, he's just sitting there. You give him some lines of dialogue, do mm-hmm. something like, but it's just some faceless dude. Mm-hmm. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, and plus Alfred let Vicky Vale into the Batcave. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, you could. She's been to the Batcave. Bat- you could say, well, Batman let her into the Batcave because he did, which I still don't think, mm-hmm. aside from the song Descent into Mystery, which is Danny Elfman, just a perfect song for them going through the woods into the Batcave. Um, I don't think Vicky should have ever been in the Batcave. That's just me. Granted, you could be like, well, it's a plot device. that That way Batman can give her – the ingredients to all these beauty supplies mm-hmm. that J that Joker's making, you know, the smile gas with, but you can do, you, you can find other ways to do that, mm-hmm. you know, without taking her to the Batcave. It's just, it's further proof of my, my qualm with Tim Burton, with Joel Schumacher, even with Christopher Nolan, um, is that these filmmakers take this character and, Mold them in their image, and and mm-hmm. one of their characters, Zack Snyder too. Yeah, Zach, oh, Zack Snyder did the exact mm-hmm. same thing. And you could say, well, there are plenty Broke of my heart, Zack. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. I I defended you, and you did this, you
1: bitch. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, and you could say, oh, well, you know, comic book writers, they do, <clears throat> they've done that too. They've sort of, you know, had their own twists on it. But the difference with that is they still are taking this they're still taking the formula they're still taking the outline Mm -hmm. and adhering to a lot of the things that shouldn't be messed with like you're like okay these are batman's touch tones as long you know these are the check these boxes with batman make sure you have x y and z and then anything else you can make Subtle nuance changes, mm-hmm. whereas like your Burton's, Schumachers, Nolan's, Zack Snyder's, they're completely changing things about the character and the story and the lore and stuff like that. So, it, it it was it was just shown through the dynamics, the underdeveloped Batman, more focus on the Joker, the fact that Vicky's in the Batcave, the fact that. Commissioner Gordon's a bumbling fool. The fact that Alfred let her in the Batcave, even though she'd already been in the Batcave, Alfred still let her in. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it, that stuff's annoying to me. Yeah, and Vicki Vale just was not a great character. Like, Kim Basinger was just, kind of, was just not great. I mean, it goes along with the script wasn't that great. And no. it kind of shows through a lot of the interaction between vicky and bruce especially near the end of the movie where she is in the bat cave and she's like i just want to know if we're gonna to try to love each other mm-hmm. it's like how long no. have you known each other like yeah that, that's a thing that's the problem i have with a lot of movies is you know you only have 90 minutes to establish a relationship i get it but in real life you know if if you say you love somebody after like three weeks you know that's that's kind of crazy you yeah know, But I mean that's that's my one I know point. I'm crazy I know, I know I'm, I'm crazy. crazy I'm random I, I know <laughs> uh, But anyway uh, But Vicky Vale I just Not a great character uh, Knox Robert Wall Is a comedian And like He had yeah. so many Like personality to him But Knox isn't a character In, in the comic yeah. books You could have used somebody From the comic books um, Ek, Lieutenant Eckhart You yeah. know Who is He's supposed to be Kind of the analog To us It's kind of the analog To Harvey Bullock Yeah Who is established In the comics Yeah um, so just creating characters to where you could just use people already established in the comic book lore. Yeah. And I don't like it just goes again, it's just another way to show that Tim Burton doesn't know anything yeah. about Batman, doesn't know about the comics. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just I don't know, it it's it's frustrating. It's just frustrating yeah. to watch the movie because we do have an affection for it because it is our first kind of, you know. I know we mentioned in earlier episodes, Batman yeah. Forever was kind of the first thing I felt nostalgia for, but Batman was the first Batman movie I ever watched. Mm. Um, so it's just, I don't know, it's, it's just frustrating to find, just to realize all these things that are wrong with this movie. Yeah. Especially if you're framing it as a Batman story. Sure,
1: absolutely. And plus the beginning of the movie. Yeah, beginning of the movie uh cinematically it looks good yeah but you know it, it portrays it that you're watching Bruce if you're a comic book fan, you mm-hmm. know um two parents are walking with their kid and they go through an alley. Uh even as a kid I was like, oh no, this is when Bruce Wayne's parents get shot. Um turns out it's just two guys mugging, you know, the parents uh and running off. And you get this shot, this, like, really beautiful shot of, like, Batman on the rooftops, like, watching it happen. And it looks really cool. And it's our first, like, shot of Batman. But Batman watches a family get robbed Mm -hmm. and doesn't do anything. He's also concerned with two petty criminals who maybe stole $200 worth of stuff from some folks, even though in Gotham City people are getting murdered left and right. Right. so it just doesn't make sense to me that Batman watched that happen, didn't step in and prevent it, didn't possibly prevent those two uh, parents getting shot like his own parents did. Yeah, I was did. Just about to say. Like, I absolutely believe Batman would have, like, jumped down there immediately had he seen that going on. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: exactly. It, yeah, and I'm glad you pointed that out, especially with how <clears throat> how much it paralleled how his parents were killed, mm-hmm. which they reveal this was Tim Burton's decision, <sighs> that that Jack Napier killed his parents. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. another bonehead decision. Yeah,
0: it's just that's just it ruins so many things that you could have done. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like I just I just don't like I just don't like that kind of stuff. But I mean, granted there are several different variations on the Joker origin, I just think that that's, that was kind of not lazy, there, but I just always think that, that was kind anonymity of to the Joker, though. Yeah, like I think as much as like I'm not really in favor of the Dark Knight anymore. Yeah, like Joe Heath Ledger's Joker was so anonymous and his origins were like so like ambiguous and like he didn't you didn't know a whole lot about him I think you're putting almost you're almost putting a face on the Joker's past when Uh you make him Jack Napier you know Jack Nicholson Uh which Uh it it gives you one of the cooler lines in the movie at least I thought so when I was a kid when uh, when Joker's like you idiot you made me you know and then later Batman's like punch him a little he's like he punches him a little bit excuse me and he's like I made you you made me first and I was like oh that's so cool And he's like you killed my parents and Joker acts like he knows what he's talking so knows it's exactly like, who he's yeah, talking about it's like I'm sure Jack Napier's killed several people in mm-hmm. his life and and he all of a sudden oh so he does know this is Bruce Wayne like so so it's like <clears throat> why like there's no like well what are you talking about I ki- I've killed a lot of people how, how, how am I supposed to know who you know who your parents were and stuff like that and he's like you're crazy man He's like, he's all of a sudden, he's like, hey, you say I made you, you made me, so I killed, sorry I killed your parent, you know. Well, he's like, I was a kid when I killed your parents. Yeah, 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 so, so you know what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that right there, it, it's just, mm-hmm. doesn't really, it doesn't sit very well yeah. with me. And on the subject of a killing Batman, the Sins video of Batman Returns just popped up. He kills a lot of people in Batman Returns. Like yeah, the, like oh the, yeah, Batman Returns is full on Tim Burton. <laughs> like at that point, Tim Burton, like, got to be full on Tim Burton. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll we'll do that one later on yeah, down the no, road because yeah. I hate that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, all all of that to say, though, we had the positive. There seemed to be a lot more negative. All of that to say, I love the movie. I still really, I still, I still really like have it. Great affection. for Great it. affection for it. Would you consider this movie rad? No. Uh yeah, it's I me personally, which I guess we have to clarify, let's not say rad because rad is very it's very
1: ambiguous. Your thoughts overall on the movie. I think that this is a movie if you grew up watching it, you still have a love for it. Yeah. Um, Katie was watching this with us last night. She had never seen it. Mm-hmm. She was laughing at it. Yeah. And, and honestly, I can't fault her. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of things to laugh at in this movie cuz a lot of the stuff doesn't make sense. But if you were a kid growing up in the 90s, this is like a crucial yeah, part of your childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you love superheroes. So, yeah. I will always give it a pass for that. But I do not enjoy watching this movie as much as an adult yeah.
0: there's there's no more rose colored glasses um, i keep you know i still have an affection i mean we mentioned you know stylistically visually yeah. amazing the score can't be like e- only john williams can match that score mm. the prince album that came kind of in conjunction with that yeah. is you know minus maybe one or two songs is great yeah. um you know the bat suit how i mean he was still still favorite any any promotional stuff i see mm. for batman i still really really love and any any marketing stuff i still really love because there's so much of a phenomenon sitting behind the the simple bat logo yeah. on any of the movie posters still looks yeah. great. it doesn't say batman yeah. it does it just it's a black Poster with the Batman logo on there, and there's so much cultural phenomenon yeah. sitting behind that. I think that in and of itself is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, it made more people aware of Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, the marketing was great, and the soundtracks were great. Yeah. And the movie visually is great. Yeah. But other than that, taking off the rose-colored glasses, it just it frustrates me how much creative liberties. Yeah. Tim Burton took just because he wasn't familiar with the comic books. Right. And that's irritating. And my thing is, I agree. Um, I think overall, I like it for a lot that surrounded it, for I grew up with it. Um, there are a lot of things that I don't like about it, as you heard uh, previously. And, and I'm not saying that you can't enjoy it. Be- no, yeah. You know, because you grew up with it. I enjoy it, but y- y- at least acknowledge that it's not, perfect Mm -hmm. and you know because I have plenty of stuff that I like that because I grew up I think it's good because I grew up with it but I can still look at it and acknowledge things that aren't good about it Mm -hmm. but then at the end of the day I still choose to like it Mm -hmm. because I have great memories with it And, and and you can and it's great that's fine and this can be your definitive Batman but we're just trying to open your eyes in in the wake of its 30th anniversary to the fact that it there's just there's things that are wrong with it. There's things that are divisive with it. But overall, I like it. Yeah. I, s- I, like I it. still I still in the wake of all yeah, that, I still it. like the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we are going to take a quick break. Jeff, were you gonna say something else? No. Okay. Well so we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we'll uh finish up and get an idea jeff of what what you're getting into what you what you've been up to yeah so so did
1: you just hit your leg i did on my coffee table ouch, ouch.
0: so stick around and we'll be right back dude look at all the melee the giant rubber ducky
1: 128 movie sins
0: gosh now it's this, because it's this, funny because People said this was the better movie, like nope. critics and stuff. They're like, "Oh, the f- you know, Batman Returns is far superior." Nope. Plus, no. Cinema Sins. I mean, 130 movie syn counts. I don't know how many of those are just him being nitpicky. Yeah. Or, yeah. Overall, on, I really don't like this channel. On on movies that I don't like, I'm just like whatever. But like on stuff that either I do like because you know I do find the endearment in it or it's just this movie cinema since this guy gets way too nitpicky it's like just like there are some of the ones that are glaring and then some there's just like chill out it's so strange it's so funny and that's what what a lot of people point out is that how gruesome this movie is you know contrasted with the fact that they this these were Happy Meal toys, mm-hmm. yeah. and like they promoted this movie like for McDonald's and stuff like that. <laughs> I was watching a a video of a. Uh...
1: I love Penguin and his Long John stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's
0: ridiculous. I was watching a video on this uh, early '90s talk show, like right when this was coming out. So it's one of those the no name talk oh, show yeah, hosts, yeah, yeah. and they had a, a mom and her daughter on there to talk about the movie, but they also had she's like expert kid movie critic. So and so, and he's like, "I just uh, the movie is way too violent. I think it's an attack on kids." And I was like, "Why don't you shut the hell up?" Okay, it's like, <laughs> "What d- I do I you know?" It's like, "Shut I, up, yeah, dork." Yeah, what do you know shut about their homeschooled kid? What do you know about movies? I don't listen to a freaking you know adult movie critic. Why the hell would I listen to some stupid kid movie critic who doesn't know crap about crap? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, <laughs> all of that to yeah, say, well, yeah, welcome back, yeah, hello uh, to the Radcast. <laughs> um, Hopefully you haven't left already. Hopefully we haven't, you know, run a lot of people off who like this movie. We're just trying to see this movie from both sides. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Like I, I think That's you I think you put it nicely right before the break. We still like this movie. Yeah. Like I still like it. I still have affection I, I've said it numerous times, we still have affection for it. Sure. Like we see the good in it. Yeah. But just as a Batman movie, like mm-hmm. as a Batman story, it's not good. Yeah. So Jeff I, we I've been meaning to ask you about this. This yes. is not Batman related, but a, a last episode Steven and I talked about, was it last episode? A couple episodes, couple episodes goes, if you're talking about what I yeah, think. Yeah, Steven and about. I talked about the Stanley Cup victory Ugh. for the St. Louis Blues, and because you yes. are a St. Louis boy, fellow Blues brother, this game meant a lot to you and we never had a chance to really oh we didn't my get a gosh. chance to watch it with you we didn't get a chance to talk to you about it. Just but just give us some thoughts on what that win
1: meant to you so the entire s- finals um i was feeling superstitious because whenever i was watching the game we would lose mm-hmm. literally uh if i would not watch it like if i would have my back turned or something like one one night during one of the games i was laying down on the couch uh and i was just dead tired so i wasn't watching the game and literally the only moments i did not watch we scored so i was like dang it i well, can't watch oh, it yeah. Um, but game seven, I put that on the line and I watched the entire game start to finish because I just thought this I can't miss this and if we lose, I'll blame myself but just that entire game, Katie and I were sitting downstairs and like I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. just the the boys played phenomenally that night oh yeah they they were out skating everybody they were they were hitting hard they were going for every opportunity and just the excitement I had my Fitbit on my heart rate was like over a hundred the entire (laughs) time um it it slowed down once uh once we were up two nothing I was like okay okay and then uh did was it two nothing (laughs) and then Boston scored it was four to nothing and then Boston that's scored right. With like yeah. two minutes left. So I I was watching it and when we were up three nothing, that's when it started to kind of like settle into yeah. me. I was like, we're going to win. Yeah. We are going to do this. And then four nothing, like I think there was just disbelief mm-hmm. in my yeah. head because I was like... "There." this, this isn't real. What's this, going on? This is, yeah. uh, is this me playing NHL? Right. 19 or something. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt um, like. Just because yeah. of
0: the landslide. It felt-
1: and so when, when it was four to one, um, literally it felt like the last 30 seconds or not 30 seconds, last minute. It just felt like an eternity for me. Cause like I was just bouncing on my feet the entire time. Mm-hmm. And Katie was recording it on her phone. And, I don't know, just when it got to 30 seconds, I was like, we won. We just won. Yeah. And just the emotions hit me because, like, growing up, my dad always watched – I always watched the blues with my dad. That's something that has always connected me and my dad. And with him uh, passing away several years ago, like, it's just – it was so impactful to me to see them finally win it. And, like, I just – I broke down and I wept like a baby. Mm Um, the tears were flowing. Me and Katie just screamed at the top of our lungs, uh, yeah. hugged each other. And it's it's funny because Decatur, it's it's pretty split down the middle with like Cubs and Cards fans. Like there's yeah. equal parts Cubs, Cards fans in the city I've found out. Um, but it's, it's pretty uniform that if you're a hockey fan in the city, you're a Blackhawks fan for some Ugh. reason, which I don't get. But... Um, you know, I'm sure our neighbors heard us screaming for joy. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't go to bed that night until t- midnight, yeah, just watching stuff yeah. on MB, M- NBC Sports or whatnot. Yeah. I was watching all the blues hoisting up that cup, yeah. screaming f bombs left and right. <laughs> yeah. I love it, I loved every second of it, and then just scrolling through Facebook, watching yeah. people's reactions. Yeah. and, their videos that they were posting and stuff. Like it's just even being in Decatur, it made me feel so connected to the city that I love so much. Yeah, and absolutely. man, like I, I, pr- I slept like a baby that night and I felt like I was waking up to a dream the next yeah, morning. I was,
0: f- I was floating the next day. Like even though I was busy at work, none of it mattered. Same. Yeah. And it was fun. It's funny because on the way down here, you have to drive by the enterprise center. Yeah and they have the Stanley Cup oh, it's on the so side beautiful. it says 2019 Stanley Cup champions and i was talking to steven i was like we're 2 weeks removed and it's it, it still, still doesn't, doesn't feel real it still doesn't like, feel real it still
1: is surreal yeah Katie and i drove down to st louis last weekend cuz she had a photo shoot um and we drove past enterprise yeah. and i was like there it is there it is it's yeah. real oh, it's just it's it's just i don't know when
0: it's going to set in but I mean 52 years 52 years overall for the franchise. I've been watching since 97. Mm-hmm. So over 20 years. I can't imagine people who have been watching for 30 plus years, 40 plus years, 50 plus years. Mm-hmm. I can't like that was for them and it, yeah. that's just it's awesome. It's great. It was it's really awesome. awesome. <laughs> so thank you for opening your your office, office again. To yes. You're yeah. very yeah. welcome. Second, second, office and my heart. Yes. Office second time on hearts. the show, second time of many. Yep, uh, exactly. Yeah. Alright, so like we said before, this has been the Radcast Rental. Thanks for joining us, Jeff.
1: You're very, very welcome. You're good boys. Thank you, yeah, sir. Thank you. And I want you to
0: remember as well as everyone else, everyone else, be kind, rewind, and we'll see you next time. This concludes our broadcast day.